Welcome to episode 105 of the Hanging with Coach Unit podcast. Today's episode features a conversation with Coach Kendall Green, owner and founder of Green Roots Performance and Wellness. Coach Green is a great young performance coach with a lot of knowledge as well as being very thoughtful and thought-provoking. Make sure you follow Coach Green on social media. Coach Green and Coach Union get into conversations about athletic performance and development, growth mindset, building a brand and company, and racial issues plaguing the profession and country. Now, before we jump into today's episode, we have just a few housekeeping things to take care of. Remember to follow the show on Twitter at HWCN Podcast and share this episode or any that you find value in. Don't forget to rate and review to help the show grow. If you're in the Dallas area and you're looking for some fantastic custom cookies that look almost too good to eat, then check out Texas Treaties. Are you trying to step up your menswear game? Then Etiquette Don is the best choice. Etiquette Don is a truly custom apparel company that will have you looking like a sharp-dressed man. When you need coffee that works as hard as you do, or is as strong as your squat, bench, deadlift, clean, snatch, log press, or yoke carry is, then I suggest checking out Viking Coffee Company. Podcast listeners, use the code COFFEEWITHNOONIN for a 10% discount on single purchases, not subscriptions. If you're looking for a quick and effective way to keep your weight room and or locker room sanitized, check out Xanago Sprayer. Bacteria can grow anywhere, and the Freedom Sprayer goes with you so you can keep your athletes protected wherever you go. Bacteria stinks, so head to Xanago.com. That's X-A-N-I-G-O.com, and let them know Coach Noonan sent you. Now. Enjoy today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast with Coach Kendall Green. On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I am joined by owner and founder of Green Roots Performance and Wellness in Virginia, Mr. Kendall Green. What's going on, brother? Happy to have you What's going on. going on, Coach? Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Kendall and I have been, you know, exchanging and following each other on Twitter for a minute, and then uh, he came down to Austin uh, for a yeah. clinic at the beginning of January. So we actually got to meet face to face and we find out yeah. uh, I'm actually familiar with the little old portion of Virginia that, that he is from. And uh, I, I know I won't say it right. So I'll let you say it, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Toano, Virginia, Toano, Virginia, uh, man. So right outside of Williamsburg. Yep. Yep. You know, my sister lives up there with, with my two nephews and her husband. So you know, I told him, I said, next time I'm up there, man, I got a place to go, go check out the train. And I'm, I'm excited Absolutely. to keep connecting with this, this guy who's, who's just a wealth of knowledge um, and growing. It. So t- tell us, tell the, tell the listeners, you know, kind of a little bit about yourself, how you started Green Roots and, and just kind of your background. Sure. So I went to Avery University uh, from another another small town in Virginia, uh, Danville, Virginia. Avery University played football, uh, graduated with a degree in physical education with a concentration in personal training. And from there, uh, actually before my senior year, I did an internship at a, at a local gym in Williamsburg with a, with a personal trainer who, who used to be a strength and conditioning coach himself. And I did my internship with him. And I kind of realized then that I didn't want to do uh, personal training in its traditional sense. Um, that being, you know, just general population clients and older adults and things of that nature. And so I didn't really at the time know uh, 
what strength and conditioning was per se. I never really had, we had strength and conditioning coaches for football. Um, but they always, you know, were, were GAs, uh, doing various tasks, um, GAs and they also position coaches and things of that nature. So kind of really know what strength and conditioning was as a field and as a profession, uh, until I, you know, got into my senior year and really looked at, you know, cause I, I wanted to work with athletes, um, primarily work with athletes. And so graduated and I started, started my business actually January after I walked the graduation. Uh, I gave myself like, gave myself a month to kind of just decompress from the four and a half years of school. Uh, only had the extra semester because uh, I changed my major my sophomore year from uh, sports management. Um, so I started my business in January of 2015. Uh, basically just started training in my parents' basement, which was actually really like the, the, the family living area, um, family room. Um, so my uncle was actually my very first client and my mom hopped in, uh, then various other family members uh, joined along. And then three months after I started, or two months rather, after I started my business, I started coaching at a local high school. Um, this started as a, as a volunteer, I reached out to a, a previous contact from a summer job who was coaching and teaching there. And got in as a volunteer as the strength and conditioning coach for football in the off season. And that evolved into an assistant position uh, on the football team that evolved into an assistant position on the track team. Um, and then defensive coordinator still doing strength and conditioning this whole time. Uh, and then my assistant position on the track team evolved into me becoming the head coach for two years of the track team. Um, and then, you know, all the while still working at the gym, um, and, you know, just luckily the, the school I worked at was, I think, literally 11 minutes away from the gym. So I didn't have to travel too far for that. Uh, and th there were some times where the schedule was kind of hectic and I was, uh, I was late for either, you know, a practice or for a training session back at the gym, but thankfully everyone understood. Um, and I guess I did a good enough job in both settings where, you know, people, I guess still just appreciated that I was still showing up um, and they understood my situation working at both places. Um, so I was at the school for six and a half years. Uh, most of that coaching football, uh, four years being track. Um, and then now, since uh, so in 20, spring of 2021, uh, well, I guess the, the school year after COVID hit, um, school year fall 2020, Virginia actually didn't play uh, fall sports, fall or winter sports. Well, they did play winter. They didn't play fall sports. So um, from March, I think it was March 13th, 2020, until February, like, 6th or something, we had zero contact with our football team. Um, and so we started our spring season, which is what Virginia decided to do, is play spring football which I hope they never do again for the kids' sake. Um, <laughs> that was that was a wild time, but uh, it was it was just a, a learning experience uh, for from multiple perspectives, and it was it was my full intention to become the next head coach at the school, uh, but circumstances uh, or or just the universe in general felt otherwise, uh, so I stepped away from the school, and then the this is really the after the spring of 2021 that. Was really the first time I had to dedicate fully to being in my facility and really growing the, the business uh, the way I wanted to and, and training 
uh, to spending more time, you know, developing the private sector side of things because it is it is a difference, uh, private and public sector. Um, obviously, it's still training, still strength conditioning at the end of the day, but there are, you know, a few a few differences in those two settings. Um, and and I was able to, you know, one I was able to make more money by stepping away from the school uh, and and being full time in the in the facility. Uh, but just putting, being able to put more time into what I was actually doing uh, and cultivating my craft in, in this setting, um, which has, I think, and I, I haven't been back in the team setting uh, yet, but I, I will be having the opportunity coming up here soon uh, to get back in a team setting to, to some degree. But just cultivating the real, you know, the nuts and bolts of strength and conditioning and, and managing people and, and um, you know, kind of just being adaptable in, in specific situations. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess the long story could be longer, but, uh, for, for time purposes, that's, uh, that's the gist of, of me. I love it, man. You know, we were talking a little bit at the UT performance clinic in January Mm -hmm. about, you know, kind of just where you're at and, you know, just some of the differences between what you see in Texas, particularly at the high school level. You know, not even just the college level. Um, And then, you know, what's what's there in Virginia? Um, Yeah. Can you can you touch on some of the things that you feel like? We need to make sure that we are grateful for in Texas. I think some some of us are are exposed to a lot of a lot of things and forget like, man, we still we still need it at the end of the day. Be thankful for what we do have instead of always trying to chase what we don't. Sure, sure. Um, so, so from my experience, obviously, I was at, at the same school for, you know, almost seven years, um, but I have had the opportunity. Obviously, I went to a different school uh, in the area, just a different school. Um, and I've, I've been fortunate enough to be in other schools, uh, facilities and kind of like a like a fly on the wall in their, in their programming. Um, but just the, the biggest differences I've seen, and this is not, you know, not to talk bad about anybody in Virginia or Texas, for that matter, but the biggest differences I've seen is just the uh, willingness to invest in certain aspects of the athletic program. Um, And then the, the uh, appreciation of the staff in, in those settings, as far as their expertise and uh, what they see as valuable in those, um, in those settings, whether it be, you know, equipment uh, or just facility layout, facility size, even, um, and and the 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 willingness, the dedication, um, you know, of the kids in those settings, specifically for strength and conditioning. Um, in Virginia, you know, we have Virginia. Even though we, you're not on the college level, not really present uh, on the national scene um, as far as recruiting goes, as far as you know, just college play uh, from various sports. Um, Virginia does still have. I believe, you know, if not top five, top 10 talent um, in, in the high school ranks, uh, high school and college ranks. Um, but I think the the advantage that, you know, places like Texas, Florida, California, those warmer states, South Carolina, Georgia, um, they have they have the uh, the kids that are able or the, or the, the programs that are able to kind of take more advantage of 
year-round exposure to to the outdoors. Um, I know Texas is kind of going through their <laughs> the winter, I guess is what y'all call it. Um, but uh, here in Virginia, outside is you know we get you know seven good months, probably six or seven good months outdoors, and I think that's really uh, I've, I've been doing actually a little. I don't want to call it research because people use that word loosely these days, but I've been kind of looking into, you know, the, the geographical aspect of talent development and talent acquisition, acquisition. Um, I've had a, a, or had specifically a, uh, a social media squabble, I guess, with a coach that was located in Southern California. And he was kind of uh, bragging essentially about how, good the athletes are he works with and how he's able to develop them and blah 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 um and the major thing i took away from that experience was that you know you're in southern california so whether it be just being able to be outside longer which is a major i believe a major um proponent of athletic development is just being outside and taking advantage of what the you know, the environment has to offer. Um, but also just, you know, professional athletes, we, we know professional athletes are genetically gifted. Um, and so genetically gifted people tend to migrate to warmer places, more desirable places. Um, and, you know, they have their raised families and their families have families and all those types of things. Um, but I think that, you know, the, to go back to the original question, the, the facility uh, management, the investment into those athletic programs, um, I think is a major difference. Uh, and this is, again, from my experience, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit slower up here because, and this is not to say at all that, you know, Texas and other, other states um, similar to Texas athletically don't, uh, don't pride themselves on academics, but I think up here because, you know, we can't be outside as much. We don't have the, uh, the, the funds or we don't spend the funds, uh, on academic or athletics per se. Um, we don't, we don't put that much as other states do into, into athletics. Uh, we put it more into the arts and academics, which is completely fine and necessary, uh, as far as just, you know, societal growth, um, but I actually remember we went down to uh, we went to Houston to see my brother back in October. And um, the main reason, obviously, to see my brother, but we also wanted to go to the Texas State Fair, which, side note, if you ever have the opportunity to go to the Texas State Fair, definitely take advantage of it because it was an amazing experience. Um, but uh, the, the hotel we stayed in, there was a stadium, high school stadium. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, it was in North Houston. Uh, there was a stadium behind the hotel we were staying in and we drove by, drove through the parking lot. So I wanted to, I wanted to see it, you know, firsthand and take pictures and all that stuff. Um, but the stadium itself, and this is, you know, I don't know what the school's weight room looks like. I don't know what their school itself looks like, but the stadium itself, and I did, I know, I looked it up, uh, housed five different schools. Um, and the stadium was probably, I wouldn't say better than the college stadiums we have in Virginia, but it was pretty close. Um, obviously, relative to it being for a high school or high school uh, school division, 
but the the stadium you know the as far as just the seating the uh the the sound system even the field surface um it just looked like they really put a good amount of effort and care into it um and i actually looked it up the the cost of the stadium was actually like i think it was like three million dollars less there than the stadium we have here in williamsburg um and the stadium we have here in williamsburg it's nice don't get me wrong it's really nice uh but it's nothing compared to to the stadium here or to the stadium rather that was that we saw in houston so i think the the investment uh that administration that parents uh make into the total uh totality totality of athletic development i think is the major difference because I, th- I think you know if all things are equal most states talent wise are are on level playing field but i think that little extra investment uh and obviously it comes financially that little extra investment uh is what separates states like texas and florida california um and and those athletes can make greater strides faster um than we can in you know virginia maryland all the all the uh mid-atlantic states can yeah those are some really good points um I don't remember the exact exchange that you had, but uh, with that with that coach in Southern California. But you know, to me, and you've talked about it, the 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 upper echelon, the top tier athletes, are probably going to be the same, regardless of who's their trainer. Um, obviously, there are some that if you work with them, like they're just they're they're different. They they've yeah. owned their craft a little bit more, right? You right. know, if if Michael Jordan works with anybody other than Tim Grover, he's still going to be Michael Jordan. Like, <laughs> right. like that that that's yeah. not that that. Yeah. So you know, to judge your effectiveness based off of who you work with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like, Absolutely. To me, and I've had discussions with some of our coaches, like I don't judge the quality and effectiveness of coaching off of the bottom tier of kids and the top tier kids. Like who's that middle kid that's not horrible, but he's not great per se, but yeah. they can execute – time and time again, right? The ultimately, yeah, yeah. you know, one of the things that we heard at that clinic was repeatability, right? And, and mm-hmm. developing the athlete so that they can repeat it, right? I'm, and I'm looking yeah. at your, uh, I'm, I'm assuming this is kind of like your your general blueprint, um, you know, how you, exp- how you sell and explain what it is that you're going to do, right? You talk about developing an exceptional athlete, the physical, yes. yeah. the technical, the tactical, the psychological, right? And then you want to be able to assess, address, and express. And I like the way it's just, it's simple, right? It, it's a big umbrella, but obviously you can then break it down further as they need to, right? right. You, know, you can give them piece by piece, but, you know, to me, I think the other thing that separates good from great is probably psych- the psychological 
and the ability to express yeah those those things right so strength is one of the easiest things to 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 improve mm-hmm. particularly at the high absolutely. school level absolutely you can improve someone's technique right cuz you can address and based on addressing and assessing what they're doing the tactical thing I, I don't know how you're defining that if that's more of like the x and o schematic thing or if that's like an actual like moving into a tactical atmosphere uh, mm-hmm. for for responders and and military but if it's just like an x and o's thing you know a schematic thing um for the high school kid right you can explain like hey when we do split squats we're mimicking you know your your running gait we're we're, we're strengthening that deal so right mm-hmm. you can develop that correlation right so that they understand but you know the other part that we serve as coaches is being able to you know be that counselor be that psychologist to move the mind in a better direction um, so that they can ultimately express those things on repeat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and to kind of go back a little bit, um, the uh, first of all, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, <laughs> give a shout out to Danny Foley because um, he's been he's been really uh, instrumental. Danny and, and Tim Kelly have uh, been really instrumental in the last you know few years and helping me kind of organize uh, my training philosophy, um, both directly and indirectly from them. Um, and, and Danny, the reason I put the, the infograph up, uh, cause Danny has really been taking advantage of, you know, that part of social media, as far as just getting out what it is that he, um, that he does, you know, that he's trying to accomplish as far as training goes. And so with mine, um, you know, I took the same approach, you know, where, and, and uh, most of it came from the the book Game Changers by Fergus Connolly. Uh, and it's basically breaking down the athlete into four components. Uh, you got the physical, the technical, the tactical, and the psychological. And so for me, in, in the setting I'm in, it's, it's all athlete related, all strength and conditioning related. Um, for me, the assess address and express is basically the full process of what we do here from if you're and this is from the the perspective of having a new client even even clients and athletes that i work with um you know consistently or over time we go through the same thing it's just kind of in a different manner so the assessment is just we're looking at you know what their goals are um what they're trying to accomplish in their sport what they're uh and, and I always tell them it can be as general or specific as they want. I just want to know what you are looking for. Um, and then, you know, we go through all the physical limitations, all that type of stuff. So the assessment is literally, you know, that initial consultation where we're trying to list out and write down everything that they're trying to accomplish. And then from there, we take that list uh, of their goals and everything else. Uh, and then we put that into the, the strength and conditioning funnel where we can kind of hone in on, you know, specific lifts for sp- specific uh, drills, runs, whatever it might be. That's a little bit more sport specific, but still strength and conditioning as a general practice. And from there, after a few weeks or so, and the, the address and express, those are very fluid. 
right throughout, you know, the week, throughout months, whatever, uh, throughout the summer, um, where we're kind of uh, testing, right, where we're taking specific, uh, specific pieces of their sport and putting it into the training environment. So that's where we get the, that's where I get the tactical from, um, where obviously we're, we're working, you know, just linear speed or even uh, angular speed, acceleration, that could be all that stuff. Um, we're taking those components that we've already worked on and then we apply them to a more, a more sport specific. So we're, I guess, refunneling almost, you know, those physical attributes into something more specific that they can actually see whether, whether, you know, obviously it's so many, and I have a smaller space, so it's only so many things I can do in this space if we're not able to go outside. Um, but I try to, to get the, whether it be the time, uh, whether it be the, the, uh, agility piece of it, um, or even just the, the volume of it, try to get that to be more related to what they're actually doing for the training, right. Or, or why they're training, if you will. Um, so the drills that we do, um, essentially just to put them in a somewhat competitive mind state, um, and then put put some stress on them, right? Where we're, you know, obviously maxing out in itself is relatively stressful, but at least for myself, I've never maxed out on any lift where the stress I felt from that lift is anything close to what I would feel in the game. Um, so, you know, and that's mostly, uh, I guess I, I, would, I would call it conditioning. Um, and, and from there, we can see if the training that we've been doing in this expression of what your athleticism is becoming, if the, if the training we've been doing is actually helping, right? I don't have, you know, there, there are some things I do similar across sports. Um, but for the most part, each, and so for example, I had one of them just graduated, but well, she's in grad school. Uh, I had three college athletes and three college athletes that I've worked with um, for at least two years um, this past summer. One played football. I coached him in high school. One played field hockey and one played volleyball. It was still the same assess, address, express, but the expression looked different for all of them. The football players, since I'm more familiar with football, being a player and former coach, I'm more familiar with it. So I made his it had much more variety as far as what he was, what I was looking for him to express in certain situations. Field hockey player was probably my least uh, experience. I've, and I told her when I started working with her and I started working with her after her senior year, she's a junior now. Um, she was a senior in high school, I should say. Started working with her then, now she's a junior in college. I told her I'd never been to a field hockey game in my life. Um, and that's, Mostly because obviously football season and field hockey season happened at the same time. So it was either a scheduling issue. Well, it was always a scheduling issue because <laughs> if we're at practice or have a game, I obviously can't be present at a field hockey game um, to, to see how that sport actually happens. Obviously I could look it up on YouTube, but it's not the same as actually being there and interacting and, you know, asking questions on the spot. Um, so for her is a little more, uh, trial and error, if you will. And I, I've seen, I was able to see her uh, play you know, a few times uh, on her college team. Um, 
so I had a better idea of what exactly her, what her specific position uh, was doing, and also the sport itself, how that was played, and how uh, how you know could have been related to something else I've seen or whatever. Um, but moral of the story, you know, just being able to take the I guess kind of like the the reverse engineering term people like to use, where you you get the goals, you see what the goal is. And then you develop the plan based off the goal. And then you test the plan to see if it's meeting the goal, right? So that's just the, the whole flow of how I kind of see it. And this, this was probably the last three years. I kind of developed this simple uh, system to kind of, uh, and it, it was simple before, but, you know, as far as just, you know, ABC, and that's it, right? um and and then work out my little system within what they're looking for as a as a former coach in terms of sport how often or how much are you communicating with the school and the coaches at the school whether it's for the collegiate athlete or the high school athlete to make sure that Right. We, we always talk about filling the various buckets to make mm -hmm. sure that you're not necessarily pouring into an already full bucket that potentially right. deteriorates that athlete. Because ultimately, right. if the athlete breaks down, they're going to they're going to probably cut you before they right. cut yeah. The, yeah. You know, cause the school. Now, I don't know how it is in, in Virginia, but there is a little bit of a transfer portal unofficially in, in texas uh particularly at the with football and basketball um mm. for uh for some people it's an easy transition and you scratch your head as to why and for other people you don't understand why they're getting blocked but you know that that's that's neither here nor there but uh, yeah you know so i because i put it out the other day on twitter um Hey, if you're a trainer in the area, like reach out to me, like, let's, let's talk about how do we, um, do better for the kid. Um, and I had a couple reach out, but nobody has specifically said, Hey coach, I'm working with this kid. This is what we're doing. What are y'all doing? Like I, nobody's had that conversation. And I, and I also, you know, to that same token, I haven't dove deep into asking those questions either, which I do feel like I need to be better at, but, but we all have sure. a little bit of an ego because we believe what we're doing is, is right. Is it necessarily the best? I think we think it's the best, but right. Right. it's also one of those deals where, you know, swallowing your pride and asking the opinion of someone else that you may or may not believe is doing right. It, it's, it's a tough thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the, on the transfer portal thing, I think I'll, plead the fifth on that one but uh as far as reaching out i i kind of it kind of helped and hurt a little bit uh working at the school um I, I did develop some relationships with other coaches in the area uh coaches parents and athletes in the area um where we you know we had we had that relationship where we can reach out to each other now as far as that actually happening um, it's kind of kind of the same as what you just said. I think it was last year. Uh, last year was my first year fully being 
last year was the first year I was fully in the in the gym. Um, and I still wanted to work with obviously high schools in the area. And that was one of the deciding factors of me leaving the school was just being able to help more people, right? Help more programs, more schools, more athletic departments. Um, and so I, you know, this is public information. I just went and found all the email addresses of either athletic director or coach. Um, and I just sent emails like, hey, I'm in the area right down the street or whatever. Um, and I'm, you know, if you guys are looking for any assistance as far as strength and conditioning or athletic performance goes, I'm here to help. I'd love to work with you. Um, and, you know, obviously I could have copied and pasted, but I tried to make it as personable as possible, uh, as individual as possible for, for each program. Even even did the same thing with uh, little league teams in the area. Just reach out and say, hey, you guys are interested in strength and conditioning for for your youth program, for whatever it is. I'd be more than welcome to sit down and talk with you about what you're looking for. And so, you know, from all that, I probably got two emails back and maybe one call off of that um as so i'll actually this year uh kind of what i alluded to earlier i'll actually be able to work with uh my old high school um alma mater i guess is the word my old high school uh over the summer for their summer conditioning uh because i was able to build a relationship with their head football coach um my last year coaching uh at my at my previous school um so i'll be able to help them out but yeah, I, I think it's the same same thing you were you were saying as far as the um, the kind of countering almost or the the uh, the uh, supplementation of training. And so I actually I guess perfect example uh, I trained a baseball player and he's a freshman in high school and, and at his school which I think is cool. His school, all the athletes have to take a weight training class, right? Whether, again, like you said, whether that's good or bad, you know, that's subjective as long as, as long as you stay safe and learning and all that type of stuff. Cool. Um, and so he started started coming to me right before winter break, and uh, he was taking his weight training class. And I knew this, so every time I would ask him, you know, what would you do in class today, I wasn't able to reach out directly to his teachers um, for whatever reason. But – I would always ask him, would you guys do today? Do y'all have, really, when we first started, I was like, do y'all have, like, something y'all do? Like, what's your, basically, what's your main list on Monday through Friday? Because he was going to his class every day. Um, so he kind of broke down what the general template was for the week. And so off of that, and off of what his goal is, going back to the assessment, I was able to kind of develop a plan that wasn't working against what he was already getting in school, right? Because that's for a grade. Same thing with being on the team. The class is for a grade. I don't need to do anything that's going to affect that, right? So basically what we did was we did, because I knew <laughs> he said they barely warmed up. So we did a lot of warming up, dynamic stuff, uh, mobility work, and honed in off of his goals. Um, we worked on his speed a lot. And that was probably majority of his workouts. The rest of it uh, would be accessory stuff based off of what he did uh in class so if they if they did i don't know bench press one day he would come in here we did our speed work or plyometrics and we would do back right because i knew they, i knew that was another thing they weren't doing was they weren't doing back you know um 
so just kind of the compliment what he's already doing and other people as well uh complimenting what's already happening as the as the main thing whether it be for for a grade in this situation or for their team uh because they then started uh baseball conditioning i guess right after winter break or right before winter break um and so you know having the not, not fight against those two things because you know there there are people that would be like you're paying to come here i'm going to give you x y and z but he's already getting x and y at other places right so there's no need to double dip in what's already being taken care of and and you know this under, understanding that is you know i i try to uh i try to for myself be be in the background as much as possible um and i put it on i put it on twitter uh i guess last week or the week before it didn't go as well as i thought it was going to but uh i asked do you do you say what was it do you say my athletes my or our athletes or do you say athletes i get to work with and the answer really didn't matter to me i was just asking just to ask i didn't have anything else to do that day for me i i tried to consciously say athletes I get to work with right they're not I don't have a team that they're on you know I'm not their teacher I'm not their coach anything like that I'm the guy they come to to get extra help to get any help at all so I have a part to play they they don't belong to me if they decided that this wasn't working the way they thought it was going to or the way they wanted to go through they wanted they wanted it to go they could leave as soon as they felt necessary and go somewhere else Right. So it's not me. And this is not to say anybody that says my or our athlete is wrong by any means. This is me specifically, right? From my personal experience. Um I just try to make sure I, you know, know my role and shut my mouth essentially. Right. So not to I, I don't need to be in the front I don't need to be in the front of the picture flexing, right? Or or be hanging on the athlete you know to get his picture while he's signing his his letter of intent i just want to make sure if he asked me i'll get it but i just want to make sure i'm doing my part as a piece of his development puzzle you know what i mean um i don't want to obviously i'd like to see myself as an expert in some degree to some degree but i don't want to make it seem like if somebody else outside of here is doing something for a specific athlete that I don't view as right or uh, beneficial, they're automatically wrong, you know, because whether I agree with it or not, it might be something they have to do to participate. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, so, so that's how I kind of view, and I guess I'm being long with it, but whatever. <laughs> um, I, uh, I've, I've tried to, you know, collaborate, you know what I mean? Um, there's more than enough people to work with, um, especially in the private sector. Um, but at the same time, uh, uh, athletic wise, there's more than enough coaches to work with as well. Um, so, you know, I sent all those emails out, got a couple of responses back. It is what it is. You know what I mean? I, I'll probably send out another one this summer. Like, Hey, if you guys are interested, blah, blah, blah. Um, but at the end of the day, Whoever's in front of me, that's who I get to work with. Whatever they're currently doing or what they did in the past or what they are going to do in the future, that's for 
us to figure out how can we make this work for the betterment of the athlete. Yeah, man, that's you, you, you touched on so many important things, right? Like, and, and it's and it's interesting because it is there is a little bit of marketing that you have to do as a business owner in the private sector, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, you, I hate it. You know, there there is a sense where you do need to promote not only yourself but the athletes that you do work with, but you mm-hmm. try to do so in a professional manner. Um, right. You know, trying to phrase this um, without stirring the pot and throwing too much. Shit, <laughs> but there are there are people in the private sector that tout themselves as if they're the ones still competing right in mm-hmm. terms of yeah. not, not, not competing yeah. for athletes and clients but competing as if they're the ones going to play in the game right like yeah it's one thing to jump into a drill or to do certain things with your athletes right that's that's yeah. a good thing to do every now and then to help build those relationships. Obviously, you've got to yeah. be able to yeah. demonstrate certain things, but your whole training session shouldn't be your entire workout at the same time, right? Uh, uh, unless you, the two of you are, you know, um, working towards a common goal. I could see, like, if you were, um. Well, but even then, if you were, let's say, we're both powerlifters or whatever, like at some point, you've got to be able to separate yourself and put your coach glasses on so that you can see what's going on. Like if you're, yeah. if you're so yeah. engaged in the workout as this is your workout along with the athlete's workout, then all that that kid is doing is paying for a workout, buddy, and it's probably right. not, it's probably not the same, right? Because there's also different kinds of conversations that somebody who's in their thirties or forties can have versus with a teenage kid. Like you can teach life lessons, but there's also a point where it's like, "Mm, okay, I'm not going to go there with you because my viewpoint on it is different. Or I don't want to say something that you could misconstrue, go home and tell mom and dad about. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, why are you talking to my child about this? Um, Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and so, it, you know, and then your question about, you know, my or our athletes versus athletes I we work with, um, I, I thought about that. I don't remember how I answered, um, you know, but in some respects, I would say it depends for me, right? Even as a sport yeah. coach and a strength conditioning coach, I'm not full time, so I don't see every team with let's say like with football and powerlifting i'm gonna say my because i i'm that i'm in there with those kids right and so yeah yeah. i have a i have not that i don't have a vested interest in like baseball or girls soccer but i don't work with them directly right they i it's i help out or i may give some programming advice so I, i that's where i would say Ba- the baseball team, I get to help. The girls' soccer yeah. team, I get, you know, so I, I I I remove myself from that standpoint because I'm not 
all the way. I'm not there all the time. Or, you know, yeah. if I'm not being yeah. asked, I'm not putting my, I'm not putting my two cents in somewhere where I'm not being asked to uh, right. offer help, right. answer a question, boom, move on about it. Like it, it doesn't, you know, but I'm also in the public sector where I don't have to, my, my sales job is a little bit different and, and, you know, I know we touched on the, the unofficial transfer portal at the high school level, but you know, the other deal that we do have to do with, at least for us at the high school level is promote. And I don't want to use that R word, um, but it, there is some of that that goes on at other schools um, where you are, you know, more or less persuading through activity or through interaction. So, yeah. you know, my deal is, and I've told the kids when I got there three to my school three years ago, like we have the best weight room in our school district and we have the best weight room in terms of equipment, um, comparatively to several other areas around us. There's, there's only a few other ones that would, in my opinion, rival the quality in which is in our, of things that, which is in our weight room. Um, you know, and that's just, that's something that I was blessed to step into, right. It was already in motion yeah. before I got hired, which yeah. is great. Yeah. Um, you know, but on the same, on the same token, like it sounds good to me and I try to bring it off as deal, but does that really matter to a kid? I don't know. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. you you retweeted the deal from from Dion about you know not doing a bunch of crazy drills that don't pertain to the game. Like we're not going to do a bunch of stuff that's just oh it looks good on on the gram or or it looks great for social media. You know, like that's just right. not what we're going to do. Now, yeah. do we do we absolutely steal ideas from other coaches that are worthwhile? Absolutely. You know, I've that I got asked even today, like saw something with, with the teaching the cleans. And I was like, I was like, it, it might work for them, but I don't, we're not going to teach that because it's because of these reasons or whatever. And I had already asked somebody else about, about that same video that I got approached about today. And I was just like, and, and we both agreed, like we're going to train in the most efficient manner because at the end of the day, the one the one variable that is relatively fixed is time, right? Yeah, you can yeah. you can manipulate it, but there's still only 24 hours in a day. You're yeah. only going to get a lot at a certain amount, whether it's for us, it's in our athletic period. For you, it's that training session. Like you don't have an extended amount, and there's other things that demand your attention, right? You as a business owner, you got to clean the facility, right? <laughs> Before we hit record. You were listing all those other duties, right? The janitor, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the the Mr. Yeah. Fix It. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you got to get those demands, right? You got to do the books. You got to do any, you know, maintenance on 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 stuff. Um, the marketer, all those all those things are going to demand your time and attention. So branching off of that, you know, you talk about kind of setting a standard of of, of for your athletes and and, and you know, making sure that things are quality. Yeah. How do you, how do you make sure that 
who you work with is not a waste of your time and you're not a waste of their time. Not to say that you, like, in my opinion, if I'm going to go work with Coach Green, I'm, I'm going to get quality work, right? Yeah. But yeah. if a kid comes in and it's just not, they're, they're either always late or they're kind of giving you a bunch of excuses, you know, at what point do you just say, hey, man, like, this is this is not working. Yeah, I I would say I would say two things really. That okay, I'm gonna say one thing because it has happened. Um, but I think because because I do have the standards that I have here as far as just you know how we go through the whole process how the training actually manifests itself. I think the the individuals who, you know, aren't up to up to snuff, so to speak, they weed themselves out. Um, and that's kind of the same approach I had when I was coaching still, uh, primarily with with track when I was uh with with football it was different because we already had a small team. Um so it was, it was almost a sense of, you know, we have to take everybody and we every single person we're going to need. You know, it's, it's a smaller high school. I think when I was there, the most kids we had on the team was that were healthy was like 28. Um, and we had as, as few as 17. Um, but when I when I coached track, uh, and I actually told this story the other day when I coached track. I'm so for me, I'm terrible with names, and it's not anything intentional. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just really bad with names. Um, and so I would tell kids the first week of track. Uh, I would tell everybody, but it was primarily for the new student athletes. I would always tell them, "I'm not going to remember your name. I will. I'll still ask you when I'm talking to you." I'm not going to remember your name this first week because, you know, having 40 plus kids come to you at once, uh, you know, a third or a fourth or whatever of them being new, um, is no way I can remember those names already being bad in general. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to remember your name, but most of you are going to quit before the second week. And that's not to say I was doing anything crazy at track practice. Actually, I got a lot of not a lot. I got a good amount of parent complaints that was saying we weren't doing enough to track practice, but that's another story for another day. Um, so I would tell them, you know, a lot of y'all are going to quit. And because it was, you know, I ran track in high school. It was just a cyclical thing that happened. Um, you know, kids come out for track because it's, you know, a relatively low bar for entry. And they think they're just going to, you know, come out, hang out with their friends, run a little bit um, and then go, go home. And that is not the case at all. And so, you know, we would go through, I remember one year specifically, we went through the, uh, our warm-up. We didn't do anything crazy for our warm-up. We ran one lap around the track, went into our dynamic stuff. And, uh, you know, it's always the kids that come out on the first day, like, in bands and jeans. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, these two are out as soon as the warm-up's over. And they were. And, you know, so, so same thing here, you know. Don't do anything crazy, but I think the the standard that's set, um, and that's why I actually have the middle school, high school, and college groups 
Um, high school and college, they train together in the summer, but they're all middle school, high school and college, all of those uh, segments of athletes, they all train as a group. I don't have any athletes that I train one-on-one unless just one of them shows up one day. But as far as the time they're allowed to come in, it's always in a group setting. So they're all being held to the same standard at the same time. Um, and there's always that, that, that level of, of camaraderie, that level of uh, commitment that they have within their group. And so, you know, just, you know, being, being principle based, right. Um, having that standard that's set that doesn't waver for, for anything we can, you know, we can change expectations. We can change, you know, goals, whatever that is, but the standard, not to be cliche, the standard is the standard. You know what I mean? Again, you don't do anything crazy here. It's, I mean, there's a couple of things that seem crazy, but they're just taxing. <laughs> right. But, you know, we don't do any crazy military base burn boot camp stuff like that you know we come in we warm up we sprint jump lift and we go home right but because of the 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 level of intent that's expected to being put in or that the standard uh requires you to put in the people that don't meet that standard they don't want to come back and thankfully i haven't had that happen often probably the last time i can remember that happening uh, uh, it was probably actually, it was probably before I actually moved into the space I am now. So I was actually in a, a shed training in my parents' driveway, which was a whole experience in and of itself. Um, but it was just a, a, a kid, basketball player. He said he wanted to play college ball. Okay. <laughs> like, all right because well i mean once they because I, I always ask them that's that's part of the assessment phase you know especially for middle school high school kids middle school you know i ask them but i don't put too much thought into it uh but high school kids they say they want to play college ball it's like you're gonna get a little bit extra right obviously the high school kids that don't have that that don't have that uh goal in mind they still get my best right but because of the experience i had going into college um the kids that want to be college athletes, which is most of them, I will say it is most of them have that have that desire to play in college. They get a little bit more, and that's not to say again nothing crazy, but your your standard is going to be a little bit higher now, right? And and so you know again going back to the group setting, if there's a let's say in high school or or I'll say in middle school, if there because there are kids that say in middle school they want to play college ball, and that's completely fine. Um, but then there are those, they just want to make the team, you know? So if you got those kids training at the same time, we're not dropping our intensity or our intentions. We're not, we're not going to lower the bar to make somebody feel comfortable. We're also not going to put ourselves in a position where we're making somebody uncomfortable, but we're also not going to lower ourselves, you know what I mean? To, to, uh, acquiesce i guess to somebody else's <laughs> somebody else's current level of of uh focus for the lack of a better term um so i think the as, as far as my experience thus far and i haven't been doing this you know as long i've been doing this for 20 30 years but as far as what i've experienced so far just holding uh holding the line you know and and making Obviously, there's going to be different levels of ability, and that's 
completely acceptable. I know not everybody's going to be able to get a hang clean on the first try, right? Not everybody's going to deadlift perfectly the first time. But if the the focus, the intention, the the effort, that's what I really care about, right? We can work on everything else. We can we can fix your technique. What I can't fix is your attitude. I I can fix it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can fix your attitude. You're not going to come back though. You know what I mean? Um, and especially if your parents are paying money, because I have very few athletes that pay for themselves, um, if any right now. But if your parents are paying money for you to come in here, I'm going to expect you to be like a an attitude Navy SEAL, if that's a thing. Like you have to be mentally I know we can, you know, joke around and all that type of stuff and, you know, we can tell jokes or whatever, or talk about music, but when it comes to the work, the work is the work. Everything outside of that doesn't exist when we're when we're on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm with you on all that, man. That's It's one of those deals where eventually Right, kids need to be honest with themselves and parents too. Like, let's be honest. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. The, the percentages are not in favor of the general public in terms of advancing to college from high school and then, you know, college to the professional level. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and that's that's the deal uh, that they have to do and get better at. Um, yeah. So, but yeah. It, you know, when, hopefully that's where you know, things like this and just trying to just be more open to educating people on these things and these these understandings can help them. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, um, we're going to help these kids, you know, try to be the best that they can so that they can enjoy, you know, hopefully a a longer life um, and, and, you know, can appreciate working out and training, knowing that they can do this for the rest of their lives to stay healthy, right? There's a finite amount of time that you can do certain sports, right? You you know, you can, you can't play football for forever. Tom Brady's proving that, uh, (laughs) drop off, you know, you you can't, you can play basketball, you know, for a good while in your, in your life, but the level at which you play, is yep. going to be the same, right? Um, yep. You know, same thing with like golf and, uh, you know, tennis, those other recreational sports. Like, yeah, you can do them, but, but how you perform at those is going to, is going to vary as you age and, and also yeah. be affected on your training, right? The, the better yep. you train, yep. the more consistent you train, the better you're going to end up performing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I try to, you know, especially, especially the teenage boys, um, they're really, when we talk on, on, uh, on Twitter or whatever social media platform about the, about the athletes that are the, the D1 or bust, um, it seems to affect, at least from what I've seen and experienced, it seems to affect teenage boys more. Um, and, you know, from the ones I've worked with, like if, if you're, if you're wanting to play college sports, like you have to understand and like really like 
you have to really understand how that works as far as just outside of your outside of your abilities right because that's that's one thing in and of itself but all the intangible things that take to not only get the opportunity to play college sports but stay in that environment right so i think and i we're a perfect example from from the young man i work with he uh his grades were slipping and he was you know at risk of not being eligible um to play to play a sport and uh they had taken a a week off after i think it was right before the end of the semester and um i reached out to his dad and basically he had said that you know his grades aren't up to par if he's not eligible he's not doing anything related to this sport right and i think having that that level of accountability from each person involved in this process you know not even not even you know just going from high school to college or whatever but just human development in general um you know we have to have accountability for each other right if i, I could have been like if, from a business perspective if he wasn't able to train i lose money right but that's and <laughs> i say this a lot i'm probably not the greatest business person because and i know people say it all the time but um my primary drive in owning this business is not making money that's a, a that's a, a side effect almost um and so if the kid if the kid can't do the bare minimum just to be available to play whatever sport it is then i haven't done my job and i don't even deserve the money in in all reality um and then me taking money that's essentially just enabling the the underlying behavior or whatever it may be enabling that to continue so you know the the human development piece of it i think we miss a lot um try logging on twitter right now and see people still talking about uh hang cleans and sprints or whatever they're talking about now um but you know when when do we get to the point where we're actually developing the entire system right um i'm, I'm actually I'm working on an article right now but i'll get to it eventually <laughs> um but you know just going back to the to the the four collective model from fergus Connolly, the psychological aspect of it you know it's beyond and i know on my my infograph i you know was primarily based on recovery right um and just being able to deal with stress of whatever the activity is. But being able to deal with the stress for athletes, especially now, uh, and I, it burns me to the deepest parts of my soul when I hear people say, kids these days, X, Y, Z. Like, these, these young people deal with the craziest. I couldn't even imagine being in high school right now with the entire internet in my pocket. Like, just the... The level of stress, the level of distraction is, is beyond anything we could have ever imagined. You know what I mean? And so giving, giving them the space and opportunity and the tools to work around those things. So they have to have it. Most, you got kids now that don't even have textbooks because their textbook is on the computer, uh, or even in their phone, they can just download it. But 
giving them the things they need to help, you know, maneuver through that effectively, doing what they're supposed to do, um, you know, and still, still enjoying it to some degree, but having the bigger picture of ever present um, and, and their, their total development. So I do think, I do think that, you know, we have to take a deeper, myself included, take a deeper look into what we're actually trying to accomplish in our specific field. Um, you know, because, you know, Whitney Houston said it best. <laughs> the children are the future. So, uh, you know, of, of whatever age group it is, even the college athletes, I try to pour into them as much of my experience as I can. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to tell somebody how to live their life, but I'm still trying to figure it out myself. But if I can present to them the things I've learned from specific situations that may be able to relate to what they're going through or have gone through uh, or, or the uh, anxieties of future endeavors, you know, if I can pour into them and be as honest and transparent as possible, then they're going to be better at the end of the day. And it's going to help build that relationship where they're trusting me and what we're doing as far as the training goes so it's it's uh it's a lot it's heavy yeah um i wanted to kind of go one more heavy subject if, if you're open to it uh you have posted about <laughs> you have posted about um what are administrators and, and teachers doing about um bringing attention to black history in general. I don't know if it was just specifically black history month or just black history in general. Um, and I think you had posted it a while ago and then you were kind of bringing it back. Yeah. What yeah. is it? What do you want to see done better so that we can all grow as a better society and people um, that you don't see being done well enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, I knew that's where this conversation was leading and I'm glad it's it. But uh, yes, I, I posted it, I think last year originally. And then, like you said, I brought it back this year because last year it didn't really <laughs> resonate, <laughs> um, which I guess, you know, it's expected because um, it is. It's, it's a, I get it. It's a. It's a touchy subject. It's uh. It's hard to talk about. It's uncomfortable. Um, but I think I actually had this conversation. I think last year actually I had this conversation with Missy, um, and then yesterday I had the conversation with Tim, um, and I think really the main thing again because it's it's a difficult subject and this isn't just black history by any means. This is black history. This is, uh, it's Hispanic Latin history. This is, uh, Asian history, Arabic history. This is, this is, you know, the reality of what history is. Um, but specifically, obviously from my perspective, being a uh, black American, I think the main thing that we can do um, again, I'm working, working on this article really hard. I've been working on it mentally for like three months now. Sorry, Nathan. <laughs> but, uh, 
Uh, I'm, I'm just, it's coming together. But um, I think the main thing that we can do is honestly acknowledge what it is. And obviously we can see on the news every day and whatever that, you know, certain aspects of history are, are being challenged um, as far as their uh, importance or their legitimacy or what, whatever it may be. But I think the acknowledgement of, of the things that we do know about history, the, the things we're currently learning um, acknowledging those things, sharing those things. Uh, and I was, I was telling uh, Tim yesterday that I've been Black for a while and I'm still learning things about Black history every day. Um, I, before we got on this call, I saw something on TikTok that I just learned. Um, but it, actually, I posted on Twitter like a Two hours ago, the last uh, desegregated school was in Mississippi in 2016. Yeah, I saw that before we jumped on. I was like, are you like, are you <laughs> yeah, kidding me? I, like it was this? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Seven years ago. So, you know, just and that's why I shared it, because, you know, sharing the information, it's the same thing with, you know, training principles or protocols or whatever, sharing the information that we're currently learning. Uh, that we're that we've learned in the past, and maybe it's kind of resurfaced. Um, sharing that and being open, which I know us in strength and conditioning Twitter aren't the best at being open uh, and respectful uh, and and having conversations and dialogues about those certain things. Uh, I think that is the main thing as of right now that will you know kind of lead way to improvement um, in society. I think, you know, obviously we can have as many marches as we want to, but that can only go but so far. Um, without, without and I have an 82 year old client and uh, he's, he's not from here. He has a different set of political beliefs, even though where he came from, they're pretty similar to where he is now. Um, but we have conversations. I actually shared a, a book with him. He shares books with me all the time. We have these, these deep conversations because he's 82 years old. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this man questions about his, his life experience and his perspective. So we've had this conversation about, you know, how to improve racial race relations. Obviously we were, we were uh, speaking uh, exclusively uh, white and black, but overall, uh, how to improve race relations, you know, as, as bad as we want to say, you know, the Morgan Freeman approach, if you stop talking about it, it'll disappear. That doesn't work. So um, the the main thing that both of us agreed on, and I agree on as a, as a child and, and uh, family member of educators is education, right? Regardless of the field, regardless of, you know, who's presenting it, education is like the key to life essentially right without education nothing meaningful would be possible no no amount of money can be thrown at a dumb person to make something better right um at least at least as far as longevity goes so without uh 
being too political, you know, just educating on the facts, educating on, and in facts and facts and feelings, there's a weird, it's like a Venn diagram where there's this weird crossover between facts and feelings, because there are, you know, feelings and experiences, there are those things that, you know, just because not everybody experiences or feels that, that doesn't make it less true, right? Um, so being able to share those experiences with people openly um, and, and those feelings and experiences being uh, uh, accepted or, or consumed um, and then creating that dialogue, I, I think the, I, I, I watched the uh, Uncomfortable Conversation with the Black Man series uh, by Emmanuel Acho, and I thought it was really good. I know we've talked with some deep recently, but whatever. Um, that was really good because he was having open dialogues with people who, who either wanted to learn from him or he wanted to learn from them. And, and just being, just like we talk about everything else on Twitter, why can't we talk about this? And that's why, you know, I try to be consistent, not necessarily consistent. I do try to like throw it in there randomly sometimes to catch people off guard. But, you know, being able to to speak on things like that, we, if we can, and, and I know a lot of times uh, working with athletes, we always say, you know, keep it simple. They don't understand these concepts, X, Y, and Z. If, <laughs> if, if these kids are taking AP calculus, they can understand the strength and conditioning concept, right? It might be a little outside of their, their scope of knowledge. They'll get it eventually, right? If, if you can understand the Krebs cycle or at least uh, identify the words that are being used in the Krebs cycle, you can understand, you know, systemic racism, right? You might not agree with it, but if somebody is experiencing it and tell you they're experiencing it, then that's what it is. You know what I'm saying? Um, so again, just educating, sharing uh, and acknowledging are really, in, in my eyes, the, the greatest uh, determinants for progress. Yeah. And, and I was recording with, with a friend earlier. Um, you know, both of us are, are biracial. He's, he's Japanese, American, he's American and Japanese and I'm, you know, American and Mexican. Mm. Um, but, you know, one of the things that he talked about is taking someone at face value for how they express how they feel about a situation. Right. And I think too yeah. many, too many times, and I'm going to say we, and it may not necessarily be you and me, but just people society in general trivialize how someone feels about something because yeah. it doesn't yeah. it doesn't fit how they view that person should feel right like right right you know the like the the term not black enough or not hispanic yeah. or not mexican enough like what is that like yeah. I, yeah, yeah yeah how you grew up is and how i grew up are very different so yeah that's that's what i know you know it, and it's, I, I don't go down to Mexico unless it's on vacation. And I want to change that. And I want to go and see where my grandparents are from. And I want to experience those things. Yeah. But yeah. I also know that the foods and such that we grew up eating in my grandmother's house were different from what we ate growing up at home, like in yeah. my parents' house. 
So, you know, things, things change and evolve based on how parents want to raise their children. So, you know, it's just like, I don't, I, I get how people can say that because it doesn't fit their perspective. Yeah. But it doesn't devalue and it doesn't negate how someone else feels about that deal. Like you said, right. There's this weird Venn diagram of like facts and feelings, right. Mm-hmm. To, to go yeah. very, very simple from a strength conditioning standpoint, right. If your max bench press is four Oh five, right. There's a perception. There's a feeling that, damn, that's a pretty good. It's a pretty solid bench press. Right. Yeah. But then yeah. when you, when you take it outside of that realm and you just say, oh, well, you know, my bench press is 225, right? Some people are going to be like, okay, that's really good. Some people are going to be like, oh, well, you bench that because, you know, you weigh 250 or you bench 405 because you weigh 375 pounds. Like, you, know, yeah. you, know, you should be able, like, but it doesn't necessarily invalidate, it doesn't invalidate the, the, the attempt or what they're able to do based on how much they weigh or whatever, like, um, they, and, and, you know, we always talk about strength being relative, right? You're yeah. strong and my yeah. strong, it, it depends on Absolutely. where we're at, right? If you Absolutely. got two bum shoulders, the fact that you can even bench press the bar might be, that's yeah. it. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, whereas you talk about the 82 year, the goals that you have, with that 82 year old client are vastly different from the goals that you have okay. with all your collegiate and high school and middle school athletes. Like yeah. You, yeah. you can, you can hold them to one standard of, of dedication and consistency, but execution looks very different, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I, I came across the, having a, having a different conversation um, a few months back, I came across the, uh, the the differences between values and virtues right so whether whether your values are rooted in a specific religion a specific uh nationality or politics whatever your values are based in they're yours right virtues those are more collective you know what I mean? Those are, those are, that's the golden rule, right? Treat others as you want to be treated yourself, right? Those are the virtues where you're just trying to be a good person, regardless of other people's experience and, and relativity to a specific relationship or a specific uh, experience, right? So just like you're saying, the, I guess we said, the Venn diagram where there's, there's some overlap we have to be able to live in that overlap more often than not where, you know, as they say, we can come to the table. There's no table, first of all, but we can all be, we can, we can all coexist in that space where, okay, I see it this way. You see it that way, but there's something in here in between that, that brings us together. That kind of, uh, that, that, uh, makes us, the same essentially um and so i I, again going back to the education piece without the education of others experiences 
there is no middle. We've completely removed the middle from that understanding. And as coaches, um, as coaches, that is where the human development of strength and conditioning comes in. If we're, you know, I've, I've been in, I've been, I guess the track team is probably the most diverse team I've been a part of because you have all different ethnicities. You have all different genders, all different ages, all different experience levels, right? Those, that group of, of individuals, they all essentially had the same goal, right? Which was to run the fastest time possible. So we have to understand those differences, understand where they're coming from, and we have to put them in a position where one, they can, if, like, for example, if they're on a relay team, they have to be able to work together, right? Um, even individual races, I might be the coach, but, you know, seniors or more experienced athletes, they should be able to help just as much as I can because their experience is more closely related to the other athletes than my relationship is. So there might be something that they've experienced uh, within that smaller or that closer age gap that I can't necessarily relate to in, in attempts to assist them. Um, so there is that, that uh, the ability to, I guess, em empathize. Yeah, empathize. Empathy yeah. is the word. Yep. <laughs> I love it, man. I'm, I'm glad. I've, I've, you know, like I told you when we, before we hit record, I didn't have a whole bunch of, you know, pre-thought out whatever. I just wanted to let it kind of flow and, yeah, I yeah, figured we'd venture awesome. down this path and, and it's important, right? It's yeah, yeah. To have these conversations and to be able to come back to it and have have something like this on on record to to just you know have it, right? We we Yeah. You 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 meet someone online, you exchange, you think you you think it's gonna go well, you meet them in person, it it, it verifies what you thought and you just want to keep it going because it's worthwhile and you know and so you know, i appreciate the time that you you gave up during your day to, to come on here and record sure. and you know just our conversation and, and, and exchange um you know I, the kids that, that hire you to work with you and anyone else is is getting a top-notch coach which is only going to get better and you know I, I would look forward to to hopefully um checking out the facility the next time i'm in virginia and you know, the next time you're you're in Texas and near the near ATX, like, you know, you got we got to hook up and find some good food spots and, um, you know, I just keep it going, man, because I you know, I only see great things in in the future for you and and I'm excited to watch your career continue to just grow. Dave, I greatly appreciate you having me on and and just being able to converse. I know when we first met in person, you know, obviously we talked a good bit, but, um. I was tired and I had to go, but uh, yeah, no, this was awesome, man. I actually, I like, you know, just, just having conversations, you know, uh, not too, not overly structured, I guess, but just, you know, just being able to talk um, and, and share, I guess, but it's definitely, I'll be back in Texas for sure. <laughs>